My name is Carol Dempsey and I'm joined today by Scott Olson, one of the partners in our US practice who leads our compensation practice. I just want to talk a little bit about the context of the UK before we move on to Scott, who talked to us about changes in the US. On the 23rd of January, the Department for Business Innovation and Skills announced proposals on executive pay, which have been the most radical we've seen since the introduction of regulations on executive reporting back in 2002. Uh, There's still an awful lot of uncertainty around the detail of the proposals, but the focus is mainly on increasing transparency through mandating additional disclosures in the remuneration report and on giving shareholders some form of a binding vote on pay, which will be very interesting. The US has also gone through a significant amount of regulatory and governance changes over the past few years, most notably now the say on pay in the US. Um, Today we're going to discuss those changes and how the US has changed the executive pay environment, look at the market and maybe look at some of the comparisons between the UK and the US. Scott, do you want to give us a a bit of background as to what's going on? There are increasing similarities between Mm -hmm. the two markets, Carol, and I think executive compensation has been a lightning rod issue Mm -hmm. around governance for a long time in the U.S. and in the U.K. We manifest it sometimes differently in terms of regulation or public sentiment, Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is it's a side of corporate governance that's very visible to investors and therefore Mm -hmm. ones that people take quite a bit of interest in. You mentioned regulation, and I think right now we have had in the past year a bit more of a quiet year Mm -hmm. in the US. We had very significant changes in our disclosure rules in 2009 and with the passage of the Dodd-Frank Act which was a a pretty highly publicized um, act around financial services reform there was also quite a bit of corporate governance reform that impacts all listed companies in the US. You mentioned say on pay. Say on pay was the first aspect of Dodd-Frank that was implemented and we went through our first year last year of say on pay. And there are a number of pending regulations related to Dodd-Frank that still haven't been finalized. So we're dealing with quite a bit of uncertainty around those. And, um, you know, companies getting some pressure from investors to begin moving on those things, but not wanting to do that ahead of having final regulations and the likes. I think we're at a point in time where there's a a fair bit of... um, you know, certainly a lot of public attention given to executive mm-hmm. pay. It's something you can't pick up the paper without seeing, particularly at this time of the year as we move into our annual meeting and proxy season. And um, it's one in which the number of constituents that have a point of view on it is getting more and more complex. In fact, what we're seeing is some cases the things the regulators are talking about aren't necessarily the same issues that investors are concerned about. So I do think it puts our clients and and companies into a much more difficult position of how to navigate these various stakeholders. Scott, you mentioned Dodd-Frank, and and we hear an awful lot about Dodd-Frank. Would you be able maybe just to tell us what it applies to and where where the the main issues are that arise out of Dodd-Frank? That's a great question. And and interestingly, there are some aspects of Dodd-Frank that, as I said, really impact all U.S.-listed companies. Yeah. And there are a couple aspects of it that are specific to financial services companies. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that bigger universe first because I think it's a bit more universal. The first one we mentioned is say on pay. And say on pay has really taken three forms in the U.S. The first is the shareholder vote, which is an advisory vote, not a binding vote, on the um, compensation discussion and analysis Mm -hmm. and all of the tabular disclosures that are required by the SEC. Um, very, very extensive disclosure. I think the, at last count, 
um, the average company's executive compensation portion of their proxy statements, probably 35 to 40 pages long. So that gives you some so sense. Disproportionate? Yeah, about what's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of say on pay was the frequency. Mm-hmm. And shareholders had the opportunity to vote on whether or not they wanted to have an annual say on pay mm-hmm. vote, one that was occurring every two years or every three years. Overwhelmingly, shareholders voiced an, an opinion of wanting to have that vote every year. So mm-hmm. most companies have now adopted an annual say on pay mm-hmm. vote. The third aspect of say on pay is one that doesn't happen all the time, but happens when a company is going through a major transaction. Mm -hmm. And that is that now shareholders have the opportunity to vote on, again on an advisory basis, the amount of um, change in control related compensation that's owed to the executive team. So a company that is going through a sale to another company would have a separate say on pay vote on those arrangements both in terms of the structure and the total dollar amounts of what the executive Mm -hmm. team would be getting as a result of that transaction. Mm -hmm. So that's one big part of Dodd-Frank. The other things, which as I mentioned are in process, is some changes in rules on compensation committee independence, um, which are right now with the listing exchanges in the U.S. It's a fairly Byzantine rulemaking structure. Um, There were some rules about disclosure of a CEO pay ratio, the ratio of CEO pay to the um, median pay, or I guess what I should say is the pay of the median employee within those companies. Um, There is supplemental disclosure on pay for performance, which is still pending, and there's also um, requirements related to clawback provisions of compensation, which is still pending with the SEC. And finally, some disclosure of what kind of policies companies have on um, hedging that executives might do with their shareholdings. So that kind of runs the gamut of the things that impact all companies. And we can come back to those a little bit because some of them are more controversial than others. As far as financial services companies go, this is a place where the U.S. is probably a little bit behind the U.K. and and continental Europe in terms of regulation. But the Dodd-Frank Um, regulations on pay for financial services companies, primarily banking institutions, broker-dealers, and investment advisors. We're not into the insurance industry on that at this point because they're not regulated Mm -hmm. by our our federal regulators, Um, is around prohibition of compensation that is rewarded to companies that might be taking excessive risk and prohibitions on excessive compensation on a risk basis. So they're very much in line with the the G20 regulations that were put out by Mm -hmm. the Financial Stability Board and with local regulations, whether it's the FSA in the UK or or other regulators. So they're very much in line with Mm -hmm. those. Certain rules around deferrals and, and again, a lot around disclosure and, Mm -hmm. and process. So it's along the same lines as we're seeing really throughout the UK and Europe. That's right. I mean, again, some local differences, but from a principles point of view, very Mm -hmm. similar. And for the first time in Dodd-Frank, there is a bit of prescription for our largest financial -hmm. financial institutions, not for everybody. And one of the differences between a lot of your prescription with the financial institutions is that it's sometimes only the the banks or financial institutions who've received assistance. Is that still the case? Well, yeah, that kind of takes us back under what we call TARP, Mm -hmm. or the Troubled Asset Relief Program. There were a number of specific stipulations that were put into place for organizations that received Mm -hmm. federal aid. Um, most of the organizations are out of that at this point, right. and those were regulations that only lived on as long as the government okay. had an investment. So we're kind of seeing that sunsetting at this so, point. So, so it's kind of parked. It now mm-hmm. goes from quite interesting listening to your long list of, of things that you're looking at, because so many of them are things that are on the table here in yes. the UK. I mean, for example, the pay ratio was something that was on the cards last year, but then when Biz issued 
their report, they'd moved away from it because of the complexities. Um, but it's something that's still pending in the U.S. Yeah, we, we're hoping to, to have a similar outcome. Um, th- this is a, as far as the regulations that are out there, this is the one that appears to have perhaps the least potential impact mm-hmm. from an investor perspective, but has the most administrative yeah. trouble from a company's point of view. Mm-hmm. And there is some legislation in our, of course, we have a, a, a sort of difficult legislative process, but, but there is some um, activity in the U.S. House of Representatives to actually repeal that part of mm-hmm. Dodd-Frank. And the problem with it is the definition of pay, the ability to track workers on a global basis, you know, who is the median employee. There's many unanswered questions, mm-hmm. and it would be, I think, what's been pointed out by um, by a number of folks is that the cost-benefit of this rule yeah. just doesn't really get there. Yeah. And the way the law was written, the SEC has very little wiggle room to actually in- put a rule into place that would be mm-hmm. um, administratively reasonable mm-hmm. to do. So that's one where we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I think on the pay for performance, again, there's some questions on what are the right metrics, what's mm-hmm. the right time period. There are some details around it, but we do expect that to move forward. Mm-hmm. As far as the clawbacks go. We've actually had clawback legislation now for almost 10 years yeah. after Sarbanes-Oxley. What Dodd-Frank does is it exposes a larger group of executives mm-hmm. to potential clawback. It has a longer look-back period, three years instead of one year. And it, um, it also would require clawbacks in any case of misstatement, whether or not there mm-hmm. was management fraud or not. So it's actually quite a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And again, we're waiting for a bit of clarification mm-hmm. on how that would actually be implemented. It would also apply to stock awards, yeah. which sometimes are not a focus mm-hmm. of performance conditions. And on the clawback, is that, is that something that applies to all companies, or is there a... Is, is there a division? It doesn't apply to everything or all companies? It would apply to all, companies? again, yeah. all, it would apply to all listed companies mm-hmm. at this yeah, point. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting. That's something that a lot of UK companies mm-hmm. are struggling with because obviously the FS community have had it for a while mm-hmm. and other, other companies are deciding how to put it in place and what can you actually claw back? Can you claw back something something that people have spent or is it just claw backing on, on vested awards? Right. So it's, it's well, going to be an a, interesting There's a practicality issue there too yeah. because... For global companies, um, mm-hmm. the ability to claw back in, de- in various yeah. territories may be very different. Even in the United States, the rules that would allow you to claw back may be different from state yeah. to state. So it's, it's one that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense at a high level, but yeah. in terms of implementing it, there's some real, real potential issues there. And then for global companies, they've got to deal with all of the tax issues, with the different right. tax treatment of clawback.